Welcome, everybody. Thanks for making it out to a, uh, a service this morning. I just want to say Merry Christmas. Now Thanksgiving is over. We can officially start saying that. Uh, some of you like to rush that through Thanksgiving. You're wrong. Thanksgiving doesn't, or Christmas doesn't start until after Thanksgiving. We need to enjoy the delicious food that Thanksgiving brings. So anyway, Merry Christmas. Glad you, uh, you know what? I'm just happy that you chose to carve out some of your time on a Sunday to actually be here and physically uh, gather together. So appreciate that. I also want to welcome those of you who are watching online as well. Uh, you missed some great songs this morning, which is why it's always better to join us in person when you are able, but for whatever reason you can't, so I am glad that you are watching this video. Anyway, and uh, speaking of songs, that opener, pretty cool, huh? Pretty cool song. <laughs> Bet you didn't see that coming. Oh, dad jokes for the win. So anyway, that's why we called this series, Didn't See That Coming, uh, because there are, this, this is our Christmas series going to last us all the way through Christmas, and there are aspects of the Christmas story that when it happened 2,000 some years ago, that people, the culture, even the people who were intricately involved, really didn't see that coming, didn't see what the Christmas story actually meant for their lives. And I think we are in the same sort of boat that many of us are probably familiar with the Christmas story. Many of us have probably read it or heard it in church or those sorts of things. We celebrate it. But there are still aspects of the story, things that the birth of Jesus means for our life that we didn't see coming, that we've missed, that we've forgotten about, that we never understood in the first place. And so that's what we're going to be doing throughout this series is talking about the Christmas story and how it matters in our lives, what it means for our lives, especially the parts that we might not have seen coming. Now, when I was growing up, um, I never really was big into sports. Um, still not, I, I like watching sports, but I was never big into playing sports. Still not really big into playing sports. It's just not my thing. It's not one of my gifts or talents from God. Um, I, I remember... When I was young, I played like soccer and indoor soccer and basketball and kind of like those sorts of things. In middle school, I ran in track and field, and it didn't seem to matter what the sport was. I was always at the bottom of the pack, okay? Just not good at sports, not my thing. And so when the neighborhood kids would get together and, you know, play a game of like pick up football or something or on playground, on the playground at recess, it was always like me and one other kid just waiting to see who was going to be last, right? Like we knew everybody else is going to pick, get picked first. And I don't, I don't blame the team captains, whoever they were. I was horrible at sports, okay? I couldn't catch a, a pass, couldn't shoot a basket, just bad. But it was always just, you know, like, well, hey, do you suck the most today? Like, no, it's me. Okay, cool. This is fun. So even when we'd be playing the games, like, I might as well have just sat on the sidelines because I never got any action. Nobody ever passed me the ball. I just, sports were not my thing. And I remember in those times of you know, on the playground or whatever, I remember feeling like I just didn't matter, right? Like, that I don't need to be here. I might as well be, like, reading some geography book. I might as well be at home. Nobody notices me. I don't make any sort of difference. And I just felt forgotten when it came to playing sports with some of my friends. Now, I'm happy to say I've worked through those emotions, okay? I don't have any, like, I don't need professional counseling. I haven't pushed them down. and I'm, like, going to blow up someday because of it. But here's the reason I share that story is because I think some of us, maybe all of us, but for sure some of us have experienced those same sorts of emotions. And not just on a playground and not just in our neighborhood, but actually in our lives, we felt that same sort of way where we feel 
looked over and passed by, where we feel like, do I really matter? Where we feel like nobody really notices us, nobody cares about us, where we just feel forgotten. And in those moments of life, they can be extremely difficult for us, right? Like they can be painful, they can be hurtful, they just sort of wear against our souls, especially over time. It can cause depression and just this this feeling of, of overwhelming hopelessness. That, but, but here's the thing. I think more than anything else, when it comes to feeling forgotten, the most painful, the worst, just has to be in my mind if we feel forgotten by God. And I just want to ask you a question this morning just to ponder. Has God forgotten about you? Your life, your situation, you don't need to share your story, but just honestly to yourself, do you feel like God has forgotten about you? And maybe you're here today or maybe you're watching online and this is one of the reasons why you have walked away from Christianity or are considering walking away from God altogether because you just think he's forgotten about you. Maybe you're here today because someone invited you and you came just to get him off your back, but you don't even want to be a Christian because you're just convinced that if there's a God out there, he has certainly forgotten about me. Has God forgotten about you? Maybe for you, you felt this way when it comes to your job or in the workplace. That you try to work hard, you try to be a good representative of God, you try to follow godly principles and instructions and be trustworthy and, and hardworking and, and help your employees and all those sorts of things. And then you look around and it seems like everybody else is climbing the ladder and everybody else is getting a raise and everybody else is more successful and you just can't help but feel, God, have you forgotten about me? Here I am, I'm trying to work for you, I'm trying to do the best I can, and I just don't seem, God, have you forgotten about me? Maybe it's not at work, but maybe it's in your relationships where you feel just forgotten by God. That you want to be married so bad, like if you could just wish one thing, it would be for that. But you're not. You've tried, it hasn't worked. Or maybe you've been married and you wanted it to work. You wanted it to last. You went into the marriage with the full intentions of this is a lifelong commitment in front of God. And then you're divorced and it hurts. And you, you prayed to God. You asked God to work. But it seems like he's forgotten about you. Maybe it's with your kids. You want to have kids, but you just can't seem to get pregnant. Or you've been pregnant and then you've had a miscarriage or two or three you see, everybody else seems to be doing fine. You wonder, why, God, have you forgotten about me? Maybe you've got split custody with your kids and you want to be more involved in their life. You want to spend more time with them and you have begged God, you have prayed for him to work and intervene in this situation. But if you're honest with yourself, you just feel like, God, I think you've forgotten about me. Why aren't you paying attention? Don't you even hear me anymore? Maybe you're a grandparent and your adult kids don't let you hang out with your grandkids as much as you want or they want to try and tell you how you should do it or they don't let you do certain. Like You see everybody else have this perfect life on Facebook and these fall mini sessions and everybody having you know, wonderful Thanksgivings and isn't that nice? And then there's, then there's just you with disappointment and pain and hurt. And you're just convinced that, that God must, there's no other explanation except that God must have forgotten about me. Has God forgotten about you? Maybe you need a miracle. That you or a loved one is sick 
And you've prayed for healing. You've, you've prayed. You've gotten other people to pray. You've been sincere. You've read your Bible. You've gone to church. You've tried to get God on your good side. And no matter what you do, you're still sick. Or they still died. And maybe this Thanksgiving, just this weekend, was the first holiday where there was an empty seat around the table. God, have you forgotten about me? Or maybe for you it's just simpler than that. It's not your situations, whatever, but you just, you honestly believe God has forgotten about you because you think your past disqualifies you. You've sinned too much. You've made too many mistakes. You're not sincere enough now, whatever it might be. And in your mind, you just think there's 7 billion plus people on this planet. Why would God even remember me? You're convinced that God shouldn't remember. I mean, there's, there's Mother Teresa's and pastors and way better people out there. We think that, that I mean, what? Why would God even? He must have forgot. I don't deserve for God to remember me. And just, just if you're honest with yourself, what's your answer to this question? Has God forgotten about you? Now I want you to know, if you have felt this way before, that you are not alone. You are not the first one to experience these emotions. Unfortunately, you will not be the last one to experience these emotions. Countless people over the ages have felt this exact same way. And in fact, many of them we can read about in the Old Testament. There's a man named Abraham, chosen by God to be the father of a great nation, the nation of Israel. This was going to be God's chosen people. And so at age 75, God speaks to Abraham and promises you will be the father of a great nation. You have more descendants than you can even imagine. They're going to cover the earth. A few years goes by. Nothing really happens. God reaffirms his promise to Abraham. Abraham, I'm choosing you. You're going to be the father of many great nations. Your descendants are going to be so numerous you can't even count them. And Abraham responds back to God. He says, hey God, um, I don't know if you've forgotten, but I don't have a kid. I don't know how you're going to give me descendants, make me, I don't, I'm not a father right now. What are, you, what are you going to do? Nothing happens again. At the ripe, fertile age of 86, Abraham decides to take matters into his own hand because, I mean, God ain't doing anything yet, surely. I mean, maybe God's forgotten, so I'm going to take it into my own hands. And he sleeps with one of his servants and his son Ishmael is born. Not according to God's plan. More years go by at age 90. God reaffirms this promise. And it's not until Abraham is 100 years old that his son Isaac is born. And God begins to fulfill what he promised him. For 25 years, Abraham waits for God to do what he said he was going to do. Now, this is not recorded anywhere in the Bible, but I just wonder, this is me speculating, I wonder how often Abraham must have thought, God's forgotten about me. How many times do you think that rattled around in his head? Maybe at dinner conversations with his wife, Sarah. Sarah, you know, God said he's going to make me a father. I, don't, I think he must have forgotten. And then 10 years later, having the exact same conversation, Sarah, I think, I think God must have forgotten about us. But he didn't. God did exactly what he said he was going to do. He hadn't forgotten. Then there's Joseph. You know, the guy with the uh, Technicolor dream coat is made famous in the play. Joseph, <clears throat> when he's age 17, God gives him a dream, a vision of his future that one day he's going to be in a position of leadership and rule over countless people, including his brothers and his parents. And so like a dummy, Joseph goes off and tells his family, hey, guess what? 
I'm going to rule over you. A vision from God. I mean, a dream from God. And what happens as a result? Oh, you know, his brothers just throw him in a pit and leave him for dead. Oh, except then they remember he's worth something, so they pull him back out and sell him into slavery. And then while he's in slavery, he's falsely accused and thrown into jail. I'm like, what must have been going through Joseph's head during all of those trials? God, hello? Have you forgotten about me? God, what am I doing in jail? I thought I was going places. I thought you were going to promote me to this leadership. I thought I was going to be a ruler. God, where are you? Have you forgotten that I'm down here suffering? But God didn't forget. At age 30, Joseph is appointed second in command over all of Egypt, including his family. God had not forgotten about Joseph. There's the nation of Israel. Again, God's chosen people. Out of all the people in the earth, God chose the nation of Israel to be his chosen people. And you know what they get for that? Enslavement. About 400 years of captivity to the Egyptians. And in the beginning of the book of Exodus, we read that the Egyptians were cruel and ruthless. That they worked the Israelites without mercy. Their entire lives were back-breaking labor and whippings and beatings. Entire generations of Israelites were born, lived, and died under enslavement to the Egyptians. What do you think their prayers might have been? God, have you forgotten about us? God, do you care? God, do you see what's going on down here? God, why aren't you answering? God, have you forgotten what's happening to your chosen people? But God didn't forget. In fact, through Moses, he led the nation of Israel out of captivity in miraculous fashion. Why did it take God 400 years to do that? I have no idea, okay? But I know that he hadn't forgotten about them. God never once forgot about his people. It's a man named Job, who God said was the finest man in all the land, a man of complete integrity. And you know what that got him? You know what God allowed to happen to Job? Yeah, you know, only that all of his uh, livestock and livelihood and farms and businesses be ruined. And then on top of that, only that all of his children be destroyed and be killed in a freak accident. Oh, and then only on top of that, that he was covered from head to toe in a skin disease that was so bad he took broken pieces of pottery to like scratch and gnaw at his skin. Sounds like a pretty good deal, right? Man of complete integrity. And here's what, here's what Job had to say during his trials. He said things like this, If only I knew where to find God, I would go to his court. How many of you have ever prayed a prayer like that before? If only I knew where to find God. If only God would listen to me. If only I could go to him, I would. I go east, but he's not there. I go west, I can't find him. I don't see him in the north, he's hidden. I look to the south, but he's concealed. Later on, he says this, I cry to you, O God, but you don't answer. I stand before you, but it seems as if you don't even look. You don't even look my way. It seems as if you have completely forgotten about me. God, where are you? I'm crying out. Why aren't you doing anything? But had God forgotten about Job? Not even once. And there's King David. King David is the only person in all of Scripture to be described as a man after God's own heart. That's a pretty good title right there. King David is one of the few people before Jesus lived to experience the Holy Spirit in his life. King David, when he was just a, a boy, maybe a preteen, scholars think, 
was anointed by a prophet named Samuel to be the future king of Israel, the king of God's chosen people. That sounds like a good gig, doesn't it? This would mean yes. You know what? You know what David had to go through in his life is this future king of Israel, man after God's own heart, just awesome sort of thing. Well, he had to run for his life from the king before him who was trying to kill him. Once he became king, he had to run for his life from the son behind him who was trying to kill him. And through some of his trials, the Psalms capture it. But David says things like this, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but, but you don't answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. Listen, if you have ever felt like God has forgotten about you, I want you to know you've got some good company. <laughs> may not be the most encouraging thing you want to hear, but you're not alone. You've got some good company. And there are situations in our lives that lead us to believe that the only rational explanation is, well, God must have forgotten. But despite what you are experiencing, despite what your past looks like, despite what we may feel, here is the truth of the matter. God has not forgotten about you. Or you. Or you. Or you online. Or me. God has not forgotten about you. And more than the story of Abraham, more than the story of Joseph, more than the story of David, it is the Christmas story that proves it. That although we didn't see this coming, we didn't know this is what it meant, it's the Christmas story that proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has not forgotten about you. We read this verse last week. I want to read it again. It's found in Genesis, and it's in the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve had sinned against God. They had broken that relationship. They'd eaten from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then God speaks to the serpent, the one who deceived Adam and Eve. God says this, And I will cause hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. And this is right here, at least as far as I can tell, God's very first promise to mankind. A promise about a Savior. A promise of a Messiah. Somebody who would set things right between God and mankind. A Messiah who would come one day and who would offer forgiveness for people who would believe and would strike the head of the enemy. That's what God said. But it didn't happen in an instant. Didn't happen overnight. Didn't even happen in a century. It took almost 4,000 years for God to come through on what he said. 4,000. We can't even fathom that long of a time period. I mean, we get frustrated when Netflix buffers for four seconds, right? 4,000 years of waiting on God. 4,000 years of believing that this promised one would come. 4,000 years of prophets calling the nation of Israel to come back to God, to repent of their ways. 4,000 years of enslavement, of captivity, of running, of all these different things the nation of Israel was experiencing. 4,000 years of waiting for God to do what he promised back in the Garden of Eden. 
That's a long time. Can you imagine how much people must have wondered, has God forgotten about me? Has God forgotten about us? Even Isaiah, the person with the most prophecies about this coming Savior, this sent one from God, even he spoke all of his words of prophecy at least 600 years before the Christmas story ever takes place. A man named Malachi is considered to be the last prophet of Israel, the last kind of messenger from God for the nation of Israel. And in the very last document in the New Testament, in the very last chapter of that document, God speaks through Malachi and says this, Look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Then there's one more verse in the Old Testament, and that's it. Nothing else. Silence. Now in our Bibles today, when we read through that, we just flip the page and boom, there's Jesus. Not for them. There was silence for 400 years. No more prophets from God, no more messages from God, no more special revelations from God. Just complete silence. Again, I can't help but wonder what the people must have been thinking during that stretch of time. For years, we've grown up hearing about this, even through Malachi. Okay, the sent one is coming. Why not? Like, God, have you forgotten what you said? God, why aren't you here? God, why haven't you shown up yet? God, do you even care? God, do you notice us anymore? I mean, how many people over that 400 and some year stretch, I, I, I don't even know how many people must have walked away from God, walked away from their faith, because even if God was real, they would have been led to believe he certainly wasn't who he said he was. He certainly couldn't be trusted. He must have forgotten about us. Silence. Well, then some 400 years later, God speaks again out of the blue to a man named Zechariah. And he spoke to this man, Zechariah, about a son who would be born and the role he would play in God's plan. And God says these words to Zechariah about his son. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. The exact same thing that God spoke through Malachi 400 and some years earlier, God remembers and repeats almost verbatim to Zechariah about his son. His son, John the Baptist, who his role would be to prepare the way for Jesus to begin his ministry and fulfill his role as Savior of the world. And six short months after John the Baptist is born, an angel visits some shepherds in a field one night and says this, I bring you good news. This promised good news from God, I bring you good news. It will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, the one that you've been waiting on, the one that God promised 4,000 years earlier, the Savior, yes, Him, the Messiah, the Lord, He has been born today in Bethlehem the city of David. Four millennia of waiting for God to do this. 4,000 years of the the nation of Israel crying out to God, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. 
Why did God take so long? I have no idea. But God never once forgot. God never once forgot about any of them. And you and I today, we, we read the Christmas story and we go to church and celebrate and set up our nativity scenes and decorate our trees and sing Christmas carols and try to be nice to each other in the grocery store. But what we miss... What we didn't see coming, where we don't connect the dots, is that the Christmas story means that God has not forgotten about you. You can look at God's history. His track record is immaculate. He has never once forgotten about anybody. And He has not and He will not forget about you. And I don't know why things have happened in our lives the way that they do. I can't can't give you an explanation for that all the time. I don't know why it seems like God doesn't step in and intervene more often. I don't know. I don't know why it seems like our prayers go unanswered for so long. I wish I could give you a reason. I don't know. But what I do know is this. God has not forgotten about you. His timeline might be different than ours, but he has not forgotten. God's delay does not mean he denies us. A friend of me sent me a picture from a book his wife was reading. And the, the caption of this part of the book said, don't put a period where God wants to put a comma. God has not forgotten about you. And more than just not forgetting about you, God loves you and He cares about you. Jesus taught that God knows the number of hairs on our head He taught that God cares about the birds in the sky and the flowers in the field and how if he cared about those things so insignificant compared to human beings, but if God cared about those, shouldn't we be able to trust that he would care about us as well? Shouldn't we be able to to kind of stuff down our, our worry and our wondering, has God forgotten about me? No, of course he hasn't forgotten about you. He loves you and he cares about you. He knows you personally. He knows you intimately. He knows everything there is to know about you. In his letter to the Ephesians, Paul reminds us that God wanted to be with us long before we wanted to be with him. That God was pleased to send a Savior, pleased to send his Son to restore us in a relationship with him. And that as a result, we have such incredible blessings in our lives that we we experience God's grace and his mercy and his forgiveness and his peace in our lives. God cares about you and loves you. In his letter to the Romans, Paul writes some of the most encouraging words found in the entire Bible. He says this, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Like, is there something out there that could remove us? Does it mean that he no longer loves us? Does it mean that he's forgotten about us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? These things in our life that cause us to wonder, has God forgotten? Paul says, no, 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 no. That's not what it means at all. When you have trouble in your life or in your marriage or at your workplace or with your health or calamity, you lose somebody or you're hungry and you don't have what you think you need or or even if you get to the point where you think you're going to die, don't ever once doubt that God loves you and cares. But of course God hasn't forgotten about you. Why could Paul say this with such confidence? Why does he phrase it in this sort of rhetorical way? Because of Jesus. 
because of the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. What the Christmas story means. He goes on to say this, no, despite all these things, despite what you might think, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And because of that, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation, nothing that you and I will ever experience, no amount of trouble or hardship or perceived silence from God will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That was revealed first in his birth, all the way through his death and resurrection. This is the truth that God has not forgotten about you. No matter what you're going through right now, no matter what you may have experienced in your past, no matter what may be coming down the road in your future, God has not forgotten about you. He loves you. He cares about you. He wants to be with you. He has not forgotten. And I know sometimes our perception is our reality, right? But sometimes our perception is wrong. The reality, the truth is that God has not forgotten. And I just wonder if we need to remind ourselves of that more often. I wonder how much more enjoyable this Christmas season could be, how much more enjoyable our relationship with God could be if we would simply remember, God, you have not forgotten about me. I know it might feel that way, but I'm going to remind myself of the truth. You have not forgotten about me. And what, what if, maybe, just maybe, this Christmas season, what if we chose to focus on that as part of our Christmas celebrations? As we set up our nativity scenes and decorate the tree, maybe we can remember, as stereotypically cheesy as this sounds, maybe we can remember the reason for the season. Maybe as we go around and look at Christmas lights, we can remind ourselves of the light of the world given for us. And maybe the thing we need to lift our spirits this Christmas is to call to our mind, to call to our attention, to keep remembering the truth that although we didn't see it coming, part of what the Christmas story means is that God has not forgotten about you and he's not forgotten about me. Let's spend a few minutes talking to God together. Heavenly Father, um, Man, thanks for that incredible truth. Thank you that you don't forget about us. I don't understand how you can focus on us compared to so many other people in the world. It doesn't make sense in my brain. But I just have to believe that you do. Your word says you do. The birth of Jesus says that you do. Father, I want to not just know that in my head, but I know that in my heart as well. Father, remind me, remind us in a personal way. Remind us that you've not forgotten about us. God, I pray that this next month of, of Christmas and celebrating and all those things, Father, I pray that you would help us to focus our minds first and foremost on you. In those moments where we start to doubt, where we start to have fears, where we start to wonder, would you just, would you speak to our hearts? I don't 
I don't even know necessarily what that means, maybe not audibly, but just speak to the core of who we are and remind us that you are here, that you love us, that you have not forgotten about us. And God, I pray that as a result of that, as a result of growing closer to you and remembering your character and your love for us, Father, I pray that this would be the best Christmas season ever. Maybe not because of circumstances, but because of our closeness and our connection, our relationship with you. May this be the best Christmas ever. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.